freedom to echo this, we're empowering conversations of hope and opportunity, <clears throat> invite you to live your best possible life. Each week, our Echo panel shares with you from our own experiences ways that you can build community and create safe space for the free exchange of your feelings and ideas in an open forum of inclusion and respect. I'm your moderator, Amy Weishouse. As one of the four founders of ECHO, I share my background of being a lifelong learner and a career high school English and journalism teacher. I share simple, effective ways to help you triumph over personal struggles and global challenges by creating endless joy from within you through our model of empowering conversations of hope and opportunity. My colleagues and co-founders will lead today's panel, take us, taking us down the Empathy Expressway to joy, merging hearts and minds. So I'd like them to first introduce themselves. Here's our co-creator from Louisiana. Hey everyone, I'm Michaela Cox. I'm an author and speaker. And I talk about through speaking and writing my books, about how to navigate the doorways in your life to go from surviving to thriving in all things. Thank you, Michaela. And now cruising down our expressway takes us to Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Debbie Wimberly. I am a uh, health quality advocate. I actually help you understand how to guide your health and be in charge. Thanks, Debbie. And now our road trip is heading north to New Jersey and our next expert. Thanks, Amy. I'm Lisa Jones, a speaker, consultant, and author that leverages the power of humor, gamification, and play as fuel to enhance collaboration and increase engagement, as well as maximize productivity. Welcome, Lisa. So I, I'm here based in South Florida, and I welcome all of you to hop on the Empathy Expressway with us. We're off to open our minds and hearts at many intersections to explore new horizons, so fired up with possibilities that we leave here today able to make magic instantly by spreading heartfelt joy. Our program is divided into five segments, the first one of which is Echo the Hope. And our itinerary originates in the belief that empathy is the fastest road to joy. In a word so besieged with tragic breaking news, extremism, intolerance, coupled with our own personal problems of daily life, we find an alarming absence of joy. Many feel that joy is something that depends on externals. Maybe it's the right timing, the right circumstances, or maybe Princess or Prince Charming will be the solution to our bliss. Well, we have a different and a probably more hopeful message. Just for a moment, though, let's have a clear understanding of three terms, sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Often people use them interchangeably, but there are distinct nuances. You may wonder how empathy and sympathy differ. Sympathy refers to feelings of pity, concern, and sorrow for someone's misfortune or some empathetic, uh, sympathetic understanding or common feeling between people. But empathy goes deeper, 
when we practice empathy, we put ourselves emotionally and deeply into the other person's shoes. We experience and feel and listen deeply with tolerance and with acceptance. Empathy means we understand and we relate to that other person's perspectives and we feel their emotions as our own. And compassion just takes empathy to another level. It puts it into action. When we empathize with someone's pain, our compassion motivates us to do something about it. So compassion means that when confronted with another's suffering, we're motivated to relieve the pain. And now that brings us to segment one of today's conversation, Echo the Hope, our first of five sections. Everyone, all around us, we see the saying, choose joy. I see it on plaques and posters all over the internet. Some people believe that in choosing joy, there is hope. So is joy more than just a state of mind? How have you on the panel witnessed hope springing from joy? Do you see a connection? And I'd like to start with hearing Lisa's perspective on this. Thanks, Amy. To me, choosing joy is like picking the shiniest sprinkle for your happiness cupcake, because I believe that joy isn't just a state of mind. It's really like a superpower that can transform the darkest clouds into rainbow confetti. So if you think about it like that, and I've personally seen hope burst out of joy like popcorn in a movie theater. Just imagine when you're all excited about the story, you can't help but believe in the happy ending. Joy is like hope's best friend, creating this dynamic duo that can conquer anything. And I want to ask you, have you ever seen somebody's face light up like a thousand fireflies when they're generally joyful? I like to call them walking hope generators. And we can all think about a time when we have felt down, but then something hilarious happened. Maybe you tripped over your own shoelaces and you turned it into like a weird dance. I know I've personally done that before. And then mm -hmm. suddenly you're laughing and that laughter brings this magical sense that things aren't so bad after all, because hope is right there doing this happy dance in the spotlight of joy. It's like joy is a spark. And when you light it, hope catches fire. When you see people coming together, sharing their smiles, creating joyful moments, it's like planting little hope seeds everywhere. And these, Amy, are the moments that become the snap snapshots you remember when life gets tough, really. They remind you that if you found joy before, you can find it again. And when there's joy, there's hope that things will get better. So the next time you feel joyful, stop and take a second to look around because you just might see little sprouts of hope popping up like cheerful daisies after it rains. And it just rained here, so little, <laughs> little sprouts of hope. Wow. Well, that would be a, a very expected, joyful answer from you, Lisa, because you always bring this infusion of play and optimism into everything, the sprouting daisies and the sprinkles on the cupcakes. So you've really reinforced for us something we all deeply feel, which is joy in the little things. Notice the little things and use them as the sparks. So Michaela, how have joy and hope intertwined for you? Um, thank you for that great question. And I would agree with Lisa. I like the way she expressed it quite well. Um, the reason why you're seeing joy is a choice because everywhere, because it's Drew. 
it's wise words and it's absolutely true. I mean, yeah, there's joy around us sometimes and it's like surprises us and you don't expect to find it, but there's sometimes in life where you have to choose it. I mean, y'all have heard me say on here before, like I said before, I'm a broken record. I believe everything starts with a choice and sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself, no matter how hard it might be, is to decide, take charge, take control and say, you know what, dadgummit, whatever's around me, I'm going to choose something different. In this case, it might be joy. And then I think when we do that, you're starting the process of choosing a mindset because the other thing that I strongly believe in is that is very much a mindset. And sometimes that's what it takes. You're choosing to carefully be aware of your mindset to alter it so that even in some of the hardest circumstances, and for me personally, <clears throat> especially the last six years, um, amidst uh, profound and deep grief and sorrow, although it's not always been easy, I've oftentimes to shift my mindset have said, okay, this is a bad situation, but what can I find that can be a happy thing or a joyful thing? And it can be in the small things like daisies that popped up after the rains or this, you know, thunderstorm. There's a reason why we say May flat, you know, April showers bring May flowers, but, or it could be, you know, you got to have a night with a good friend and good conversation and connection or, you know, whatever it is, or maybe it was a big thing. But I think when we choose to look for things that can allow us to have joy in the hard things, it helps um, adjust our mindset that leads to, like you said, there is hope and things won't always be so bad. So that's why I think it's a choice and a mindset that helps us get there. Hopefully yeah. that makes sense. Of course, it's that's so insightful, so very insightful. And Debbie, for you, is joy a, a prerequisite of hope? How do you see the two combined? All right, thank you, Amy. I definitely believe that joy is something that is a involves hope. Um, joy can become from a combination of external circumstances, internal mindset, and your individual reactions. So there's a lot of things that come into play when you're thinking about joy and how you're going to have it. Um, I had to think long and hard about this because I don't necessarily think that you choose joy. I think that joy happens when you allow it. I think that um, living in chronic illness and in chronic pain, having less than, less than the life that you had expected to have, understanding that you are the one that's going to be responsible for creating and allowing joy to live within you, no matter how hard or difficult things become sometimes. It's you that determines how you feel today, regardless of what's going on. So having that and allowing yourself to feel that joy then gives you hope to get through the day. And that becomes a very powerful um, asset that you have because you actually have the ability to look around you, internalize, and engage any way that you choose. So it's important. I think that you have joy, hope, and they intertwine. Very, very interesting, Debbie. Um, so when we allow joy, um, it's, it's kind of a surrendering in a way, isn't it? That we're, we're going to use, utilize that as one of our tools to... A, a healthy life. Oh, definitely. I think that that's one of, 
one of your strongest tools that you have because you're in charge and you actually get to decide. I look at it as when I wake up in the morning, I can either look outside, it's cloudy today. We aren't having rain like Lisa, but it's cloudy here today. And I get to decide how I want to feel about this. And so I think when Lisa said joy is like your best friend, that's the way we should look at it. Because if I'm joyful, I, it is my best friend. And so it is a tool. Well, if we're all here embarking on this journey together, this expressway of empathy to joy, um, I'm seeing a GPS in my mind for this trip. And the GPS for all of us, you know, how, how many of us go out on a, a trip today without relying on a GPS to get us to our destination? So I, I was thinking about this a little bit, but you know, mine sometimes tells me there's a disabled car on the shoulder or there's a traffic delay or something warning me. But in life, we don't necessarily have that warning system. So we need to have some kind of a, a direction. But again, like Michaela says, we do choose. Sometimes we're given four different routes to take. Some are toll routes, they cost more, and some don't. So we, we still have choice embedded in this, and yet we're looking for that guidance. Um, so there is so much opportunity now. We don't know what little side trips we're going to have, who we're going to meet at the rest stops. And this is where we come to the second part of our, of our, our discussion, which is echo the opportunity. So... When it comes to cultivating this joy and creating that mindset, from your experience panel, describe a situation in which empathy played a role and what opportunities arose from meaningful, uh, for, that arose from this empathetic situation for meaningful connections and outcomes. And let's start with uh, Debbie. Thanks, Amy. I think that the opportunity is still something that you need to look for and arise for. This is one of the things that becomes very apparent through my life is that it's up to me um, to decide how I want to move forward in life and what I want to accomplish. But it comes through having meaningful conversations, meaningful acquaintances, just like with you ladies here. Uh, coming in together and, and building this, echo this, to help empower other people. So this gives us the opportunity to take what we know and share it and bring it to others using our voices and our, our tools that we have in our toolkit that can actually help place them in your toolkit. So having the opportunity to have meaningful connections is so important. And especially if somebody is living in chronic illness or chronic pain, because we find this so often that when you get very ill, it's real easy for people to start not paying attention or coming around anymore because it becomes kind of a, a downer, as some people would say. So having that, you know, having people involved in your life is really important. And so, you know, keeping that connection open is not as easy for some as it is for others, but it's really important that you as the person understand what you need to do in the contribution of that and making yourself 
available in your mind even by, you know, figuring out ways to find your own happiness, rebuild from whatever may have been taken away, what didn't work or what you had once may not be what you have now, but there's something else. There's another opportunity. And that comes through connections and getting to know people and allowing yourself to be open. Yeah, Debbie, you've raised the, a very uh, deep point here about the absence of empathy, especially when we can't feel for the other person who's chronically ill. That absence of empathy can cause such isolation, lack of self-esteem, and despair. And, and that's another area where the absence of hope is so rampant today. So, Michaela, how has empathy shown up for you? Um. Personally, or an example that I think it would answer your question or both, because I was <laughs> had a totally different answer prepared from what I just realized. Um, I grew up being um, legally blind or visually impaired my whole entire life. Um, and we all know that some kids can be extremely cruel and little interesting individuals for di diplomatic terminology, which is not my strong suit. Uh <laughs> But so I grew up with a lot of um, bullying and teasing and um, rejection, you know, and being isolated. And so I struggled to have social connections with my classmates or schoolmates or whatever you want to call it for a long time. Um, repeatedly, it was ongoing. And so I think it taught me the value of when you do make that special connection with someone to treasure the people that allow you in and, and finally accept you. Um, and so I have often, I think it was uh, the foundation for laying uh, my loyalty to my friends because for a long time in my life, they were far and few between, if not rare. And that helped me a great deal when I finally got uh, those connections because it would lead to countering the emotions that had been um, long established in me of not being enough or not being efficient or not, you know, being, uh, I forget all the adjectives I used to put on it, um, not having friends or whatever and thinking I was whatever. Or these All these bad self-images you have about yourself are when constant rejection is a part of your life. Now, as far as a practical thing that I think I've seen, we often talk about kindness and the feathers and you don't always know the impact that it has, like a ripple effect. You may do something small, like for a long time, someone that would let me sit at a lunch table with them, that really brightened my day. You know, you send a card to someone to express your profound sympathy, as we call it in our society, for what they're going through. And maybe that helps them know they're not alone and you may never know the outcome of that but i think when we do these gestures in whatever way small or big it does establish a connection and then sometimes in doing that you think you if you realize how you help someone that can make you feel good about what you did and create the joy and and you know if you see how it helped them then it makes a positive turnout for everyone and sometimes you don't know the difference you made and all you can know is maybe I tried to do what I thought was best and right and feel good about that. So that's what I would say to that. I hope that answers your question. Oh, it's answered it so magnificently from your heart and soul and your personal experience. So 
you clearly highlight that joy blooms through connection and that could be with people it could be with pets it could be with our act of creating something or our connection to a higher power even so um that was beautifully articulated michaela thank you so much and lisa we ask what's your perspective on the relationship of empathy to joy now sammy for me i think of all the many occasions when i was at different events whether it be a party a corporate event any event really and i always seem to spot at least one person sitting alone with a face that looks like a grumpy cloud and i can't take that so i must go over and have that person join me because like Michaela, I was bullied when I was little. So I remember like being alone and I, I feel like I'm their empathy champion or something. So I need to sprinkle some kindness magic. I put on my friendliest grin It may be a little cheesy, but it's friendly. And I start chatting like I'm their old pal with a secret handshake. And here's where the fun begins, Amy, because as, as we start talking, as I start talking with this person, I discovered that they've had a rough day. So there's usually something going on, the kind where everything goes wonky, like a dance party with two left feet. But guess what? We've all been there because I share my own mishap story with them. And suddenly my new grumpy cloud face, new but old friend turns into sunbeam. <laughs> so I've just unlocked this connection. I shared experience that turns grumbles into giggles. It's that best feeling because it's like being superheroes of joy and empathy combined. In that simple act of kindness, I created a meaningful bond, a memory, and who knows, maybe even a lifelong friend. And these are where opportunities for these magical moments, they're really everywhere. From consoling a friend who lost a game of Monopoly, and trust me, it's serious business, to helping someone pick up their groceries that fell like confetti all over the sidewalk. Empathy is like the glue that holds joy together. It's that secret ingredient that turns regular conversations into memory-making adventures where both sides walk away with bigger smiles and fuller hearts. And I encourage everyone to keep spreading those empathy sprinkles and watch joy bloom like a garden full of laughter. Try it. Well, I think that's just a, a delightful aspect of your personality, that you're seeking out that opportunity to go to the person sitting next to you, a, a total stranger, but through joy and through smiles, creating a wonderful bond. It's interesting that most of us on the panel have overcome adversity, have overcome bullying, uh, low self-esteem, or feeling as if we were, we were set apart. And, you know, I feel that empathy can sometimes be so innate. And I love this little story real quickly that I found when I was doing research on empathy about empathy stories for children, because this is such a wonderful topic for children, since they're the ones who were the perpetrators of all this, you know, sadness, and, yes. you know, towards each other. And this little um, boy went to a neighboring farm to choose a puppy from a new litter. And there was one little wobbly misshapen pup all the way in the back by itself, uh, you know, at the barn. And he pointed out and said to the farmer, I want that one. And the farmer puzzled, said, well, why? You know, he can't jump and run and play like the others. And the boy very slowly and deliberately carefully rolled up the leg of his jeans and he revealed a metal brace. 
and with conviction he said to the farmer, that little fella needs me. I understand. I'm getting goosebumps. I can tell that story on such an elementary level over and over and over. And it can be taught to children. It could be enjoyed with children. And I call this little boy Joey in my mind. So imagine the joy that Joey experienced his lifetime with this little pet for years to come. So in my mind, it's an, it's, it's an example of empathy, creating joy in its purest state. And, and just like uh, Mikhail is always going to remember the person who invited her and welcomed her to sit at the, the lunchroom table with her. So that brings us to segment three. And here's we're going, where we're going to echo the laughter. Not to say we haven't been laughing here all along, but now we're focusing specifically on laughter because there are smiles on all the panel. We're often reminded that laughter is the best medicine. So how have you created or how have you seen joy blossom through the sharing of something unforgettably funny? So let's start out with, um, let's start out with Michaela. You have two young children, and this should be an easy reflection for you. Yeah, it is. And actually, I'm, this is an interesting week in our household because I don't know how young they're going to be anymore because now they're both in double digits. My son just turned 10, and Megan, uh, my daughter will be um, 13 Friday. So new season for our family. But, yes, young children. Um, I feel like I'll think back as far as as a mom, I'll think about something because they're always keeping me on my toes and, and entertaining me. I'm sure Lisa can relate to the same. Um, something funny they do. But I was also thinking about, I think the reason why laughter is such a good medicine, and Lisa can um, speak to this as well. Oftentimes, and humor is not my strong suit, but what I do know is um, when you make a really funny memory with people like you may not always remember what started it but i find that it really gets um i don't want to say ingrained but like really takes to your memory and you can think back on it and whoever was in that moment with you you can talk about it and it's like this evergreen asset of a good thing and a good memory that y'all can always reminisce about and make you feel joyful whenever you think about it so even though you may not remember exactly what started it or why, but it was just so hilarious. And you're like, oh my gosh, do y'all remember? And so I think that's part of what makes those things such a positive and happy and joyful thing in our lives that always kind of stick around. How wonderful to have those joyful, humorous memories that can always make us smile, even in our darkest moment alone, special. And Lisa, since comedy is your strong suit and that's your brand, let's hear from you. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. It really is the best medicine. And I'm not going to talk about the, the physical, the emotional, psychological benefits of laughter, because really the first image that popped into my head when you asked this question was all the times I'm with a friend and we're swapping tails and trying not to spill our wine or shall I, shall I we say juice for this conversation from <laughs> laughing so hard. And I'm sure we all can think about that. But suddenly, Someone spills their drink anyway, and it's like this slapstick comedy scene from a movie, because this is really where the magic happens. 
Instead of groans, we all burst into laughter. And this could really rival like a fireworks show because that spilled drink becomes the punchline that turns your day into a colorful painting of joy. So each time someone retells the story, even though it to somebody else, it may not be that funny, but it is to you, to your group. It's like shaking the laughter tambourine all over again. And then the second image that came is the many Instagram reels that my husband sends me that are so hilarious. And sometimes I make the mistake of looking at them when I'm eating. And that's when I snort the cereal out of my nose instead. And I like to share it with friends so I can get a whole gang of snort laughing cereal enthusiasts. It's like a joy snowball that just keeps getting bigger and sillier. But the coolest part of all this is these moments, funny moments become like secret joy potions you can use anytime. If you're feeling blue, you just rewind to that hilarious memory. And suddenly it's like you're the star of your own comedy show. It's like creating your own joy superhero costume. I know I talk about the superheroes a lot. And the superhero power is laughter because laughter is really a superpower. We all need to share that funny story, tell that silly joke, and watch joy blossom like a garden of belly laughs. There's a garden theme going on here today too, Amy. Uh, well, you know, we we all tend to um, say sometimes, well, you had to be there. <laughs> you had to be yeah. there to appreciate it. And meanwhile, we're hysterical in the memory, almost pee in your pants kind of hysteria. And, um, and, and that's the beauty of joy. It is limitless. It's life-defining. We've got this transformative reservoir just waiting to be tapped into. And once you have that moment of joy, it lasts a lifetime. It is just limitless and almost uncontainable. So, Debbie, you, I know, have a penchant for humor in your pocket full of characters, in grandparenting, and your total outlook on life. So what, what funny moments came to mind? This one I really had to think long and hard about because there are a lot of funny moments that happen in life. And how do you create those funny moments? So I'm going to give two examples. Um, when I used to work for Digital Equipment Corporation, I worked with a, a collaborative of people that really were funny. And so we were always looking to see how we could create humor in the office and bring laughter to it. So we, one year at Halloween, we beca uh, one of me and one of the, the other partners there, uh, we, we became this, the, the salt and pepper shaker at Halloween. And we went around the office and we're giving out candy instead of asking for candy. And I'm going to tell you the looks that everybody had on their faces when we would show up at their door and give them candy. First, they thought we were standards and poor, which <laughs> really was a funny moment. And we've laughed about it ever since. Um, and then we also, I don't know if you've ever heard of the show glow uh back then uh it was uh, a bunch of men and women that became wrestlers or acted like wrestlers and they wore strange and funny costumes and so we decided to become the glow group of our organization and we would dress up in these really insane costumes and go around and make the office full of laughter so i think lisa would uh, find this of interest but the other side of this is how do you take when someone lives in chronic health and chronic illness and finding joy sometimes and finding laughter is not so easy. And one of the things that I've learned to do is to take some of the worst moments that have happened in life 
and once they've passed, find the humor in them and be able to sit and laugh about them now. And I know a lot of people will think that might sound a little bit cruel, but it's not because we always need to see that there's something good and stuff that happens that was bad and being able to create that laughter. And there are so many moments that I've had to, that I've had with this. And I'll just give a really short little one is uh, we had um, two moms living in our house that we were taking care of. And one just received home from having major surgery for cancer. We had hired a caregiver. She came into the home the first night. Uh, she found a bug crawling on my mother-in-law in the middle of the night, grabbed it, took it off. And needless to say, she brought home bed bugs with us. And so from the hospital or somewhere. So we, um, I went into full defense mode trying to resolve this. And I remember the caregiver looking at me when we were dealing with this whole situation, dismantling our home and trying to take care of two very sick women. And she said, one day we're going to look back and laugh about this. And I'm going to tell you, we laugh about this event more than anything that's happened in the last, I don't know, two decades, because our backyard was lined with black plastic bags full of stuff in the heat in the middle of summer. We were running things through the dryer. It was just, it's, it's so comical, you cannot even imagine. But I've taken that moment and I tell that story to people and I get them laughing as I tell it because it is something that you can't, you can imagine when I sell it out that it's like that, you just can't imagine that happening, but it did. Uh, well, the magic of, of sharing these funny moments, even the ones that we, we spin doctor into funny after the fact, you know, um, it, it reminded me, Debbie, of uh, a time when I got a pre-owned, certified pre-owned car, and I had cockroaches in it. And I insisted they didn't come from the grocery. Wow. And I, it, it, was, it, it, had, it was going to cost a fortune from the dealer to bomb it and spray it. And I really, I told them they had to take the floorboards up and everything. And sure enough, they found some little nest or something of cockroaches in the car. But it's creepy, but it's funny. And I'm really care <laughs> very careful now in hotels and everywhere. I know how to examine everything. And even some of these creepy things, they definitely turn to hilarity. And that joy brings connection with people and empathy, because I know, I feel, I understand exactly what you went through. And I'm just going to be brief and reduce the laughter uh, idea to just the simplest common denominator, to the, the key that you put in the ignition, and that's a smile. And Lisa goes up to strangers with a grumpy face, and she turns it into uh, sunshine. And, and this is on the, if you, if you come away with one thing today, just smile, because smile is the beginning of joy. You know, if you smile at someone, that may be the only sunshine that person receives that whole day. Think about it. And, and, and a smile means, I see you. I recognize you. Uh, maybe it means, gee, you, I, I, I like your T-shirt. Or something caught someone to spend that extra second making eye contact and creating a smile. And that's where I think empathy begins in that simplest act. Um, two ways to spread light. One is to be the candle, and the other one is to be the mirror that reflects the candle. And I think that light is our joy. So on that happy note, 
Uh, let's go to section four. And this one really intrigues me. Echo the Enigma. Can joy be the most terrifying of emotions? Wow. That really caused me to pause. You know, some people paradoxically experience a downside to joy. There's a sense of foreboding and fear, like waiting for the shoe to drop. Sometimes it really comes as a paralyzing emotion. Well, what factors do you think contribute to the possible anxiety of being in a state of joy? And how can we counteract this? Michaela, what are your thoughts about fear of joy? Have you encountered anything like this? I don't know if I've encountered the fear of it, but I can understand that uh, paradox and that thought process. Um, I think there's two things that go into play at that. I think when you find your best life and it really is your dream come true and your lack of a better term, a happily ever after, and whether you waited a long time to have it or not, and you finally found yourself where you wanted to be in life, I think as happy and as joyful as it makes you, and then you have to lose it, it's really hard to allow yourself to go there again because you're fearful of losing what you either A, worked so hard for, or you've waited a long time to have, or it was so good, you can't imagine living without it again. And even though you're really happy in that moment, the pain of losing it is too much to bear because it was too good. Or there's another side of this. I think when people have been through a lot of things, they get to the point where they feel like they're not worthy or they don't deserve it. And it's easier than being disappointed all the time to just live without it than to get your hopes up and get disappointed, to think that you could have what you wanted or hoped for or dreamed for or think you should have out of life. And that does not mean that we don't find our ways and that we don't try and have it again. But I think that goes a long way for why a lot of people stay where they're at because it's easier than to do the other. Um, I would hope that they find a way to counteract it because as hard as it is sometimes to lose what you want the most, it's still worth it. It's kind of like that expression, is it better to have lost love or never have been loved? I think it's worse to have never been loved, no matter how painful it may have been, depending on how that love story played out. But that does not mean that the reality of such experiences doesn't make it really hard to hope again or think that you'll have joy again or fill in the blank of whatever story you're telling yourself or living out. I don't want to put words in people's mouths. I can only speak for myself. Um, but as to what I talk about a lot, we do have to find our way through just surviving and these experiences we're having in life to hopefully thriving again. And that can look like a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. And I think part of the thriving is managing to find the joy again, no matter how hard or how, difficult of a challenge that is for the individual in question. Wow, that's so very insightful. And you brought out so many of the points of the research that I've found on that very topic about joy being a, a terrifying emotion. What if, what if, what if it doesn't last? Lisa, what's your perspective? Does joy ever come with this shadow? Yeah, this this is really where happiness and worry play hide and seek. Because if you imagine yourself on the serene beach, you're soaking up the sun's warmth, and then suddenly this mischievous worry goblin flirts over here and whispers, 
hey there, what if all this tranquility is just a tease? <laughs> it's like expecting to collect seashells and finding crab with an attitude instead, in my <laughs> opinion. But I think that you can conquer this sneaky worry with a little toolkit of, of tricks. And first, what you want to do is you can give it a name. So for me, the quickest thing I think of is Mr. Joy Killer, because that's really what it is. Then you imagine you're a Sherlock Holmes investigating why it's crashing your joy party. Is it an old memory? Is it fear of change? And then once you've got Mr. Joy Killer's number, you can show at the exit door. You can kick it to the curb. Next, you can summon your inner cheerleader. If you picture yourself wearing a sparkly cape and shouting, I've got this, you flip the script by then expecting joyful things. And after all, why not anticipate unicorns instead of shoes dropping, like you were talking about earlier, Amy, the shoes dropping. Lastly, sprinkle some gratitude fairy dust, because gratitude, if you think about it, is really like kryptonite for worry goblins. And every time you catch yourself in a joy-doubt spiral, you want to list three things that you're thankful for. And that's really like throwing a confetti bomb at Mr. Kill joy Killer and watching him scurry away. So you want to embrace your joy. And when Mr. Joy Killer tries to crash the party, you show him your toolkit of tricks. And with a dash of detective work, a sprinkle of gratitude, and I would say way too many unicorns to count, you'll be dancing through your joy parade worry-free. Wow. You know, you mentioned a magic word there, uh, gratitude. <clears throat> and gratitude uh, can be so instrumental in creating joy people experience gratitude for the empathy they're shown and that could also be another g in the gps system a reminder gratitude can guide us to wonderful places and debbie have you wrestled with the dark side of joy and in what way or what are your observations on that i've definitely wrestled with the dark side of joy um and that happens quite often when you're living in chronic illness or chronic pain um it, it adds a unique challenge to experiencing joy and managing anxiety. Um, first and foremost, generally, when you're diagnosed with something serious, your world comes that crashing down, so you don't even know what to expect. And so now you're looking at the uncertainty and the fluctuations and what's about to happen and something that you don't have any control over, so anxiety can set in. And learning to embrace that and focus on the moments where you do feel well and try to find joy and small achievements and pleasures is really important. Um, don't live beyond the moment. This is one thing that I, you'll probably hear me say a lot, live for today because today is what you have. I don't care if you woke up this morning sad, whatever it is, this is your moment. This is your time to live right now. And so embrace it and enjoy and find something. And you have the ability to do that. I think the other thing that comes with this is social isolation. And when you are sick, you do become more socially isolated from people. So you have to find ways to re-engage or to not be so anxious because being asked to go out and do something when you're in living in a, in a health that you don't like, Sometimes it's difficult to go out and be around others because you need to put on a happy face. You need to be, you know, more energetic, whatever it may be. 
And sometimes you don't feel like that. So then you become very anxious about how are people going to perceive me? What are they going to say? I'll use an example that I went through a lot um, because I had a, a nerve damage in my leg, uh, chronic regional pain syndrome. I had to wear this cast-like boot on my leg for a long time. And everybody wanted to make jokes out of it with me. So every time I would walk in a room, they would say, oh, how did you do that? And after, you know, a few years of this, it gets very tired and you don't want to do that. So then I became very anxious because I don't like to draw attention to myself. So it was like, why, why get out? Because it's just going to, I can't get rid of this boot. I have to use it. And so I don't want to get out. And then I had to learn to embrace that and come up with really funny, cute comebacks <laughs> about, oh, my husband kicked me and I fell off the ledge or, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, instead of being anxious about it, I had to embrace it and, and create a scenario or a story around it. It's kind of like Princess and the Pea. Uh, she's always kind of been part of my story ever since I've had that boot because she could fill a pea under a stack of mattresses and I could feel a hair under my boot. And it had a sole that was probably four or five inches deep and my husband used to say there's no way you can feel a hair and I could lift up my boot every time and there would be a hair there so there is something to this princess in the pea story and the sensitivity and learning to embrace it instead of being anxious about it there's so many avenues that I could talk about here with health and how anxious people can become um, but just accepting that you know, this is your life, but it doesn't mean it's over. You have other opportunities of ways that you can move forward. And by that, I mean, I didn't know how to knit till I became chronically ill. I taught myself how to knit. I didn't know how to bead until then. I taught myself how to bead. So instead of focusing on what I didn't have or couldn't do, I learned to, okay, what new can I learn today? And that keeps you from being anxious because you're keeping your mind active, you're, you're learning and you're exploring. Well, that just shows how even in the darkest circumstances, with joy, we can create, create. It's that inner spark in us. We can create self-esteem and we can create self-respect and they are indestructible. I, um, I picked up on the word uncertainty, Debbie, and with all the uncertainty in the world, your certainty that you're there for yourself through self-empathy and through <clears throat> creative impulse and a penchant for joy, you know, you know, and proof positive right here, you know that you're going to succeed. Absolutely. I don't have any other vocabulary, I guess, for me. Uh, I'm going to live today to its fullest, whatever it may hold. I'm going to enjoy today to its fullest. And that's all I can ask of myself. Don't ask more of yourself than what you can give. You can give for today. And, you know, that's kind of like my charity to myself is that I'm going to give today to live the life that I want to live today. Yes, I have responsibilities and things I need to do. And I love that I get to do them because there were times when I couldn't. So embrace this moment. Enjoy what you have because today is here now. And you are such a shining example of leadership and self-governing and self self-development you know that that i've ever met truly and, Thank you. and and you're talking about transformation how you transformed from someone who was given very little hope that you'd even survive and be talking to us today so 
in that spirit of transformation, this empathy expressway we're on today, and we're moving in the fast lane here to a really life-changing legacy of endless joy. That is our goal. That's our destination. So I'm asking my, my panel here, please cite evidence of this, something you've caught along the way, along the highway, in some personal or observed transformation of major significance. And we'll start with Lisa. Yeah, I would say hop aboard the Empathy Expressway where the scenic route is paved with joy, laughter, and heartwarming moments. But specifically, this reminds me of one of my friends who was once transformed from a grumpy dragon, <laughs> let's just say, to a huggable teddy bear after a simple act of empathy. And what happened was they listened to a coworker's was going through something difficult and suddenly the dragon's frown turned into a rainbow that single act of understanding then sparked a domino effect because people started sharing stories they started connecting and laughter filled the air and i also think about my mom who i think has a master's degree in grumbling but one day she decided to embrace the empathy expressway and she started really tuning into her grandkids giggles and stories when they came over to visit and guess what happened? Now her house is like a laughter factory where happiness is literally the wallpaper. It's like magical trade because by choosing the Empathy Expressway, you give a little kindness and in return, you get a truckload of joy. So I encourage everyone to do this. The next time you're on the road, take that empathy exit because you might just discover that the journey is even more joyful than the destination. Yay, wonderful. And moving right along to our next stop, our next uh, consideration of this question of transformation and joy. Michaela, what's your slant on it? Um, I think when you choose to look for the things to bring joy to your life, when it may not be the most conducive based off of your circumstances, and I think it goes into choosing to define it for yourself and not being defined by your circumstances, no matter how challenging or difficult that choice may be based off of the particular circumstances. And I think a lot of things that we've kind of all included in this uh, empowering conversation about this topic is I use in my work to, while I may not be able to make someone's grief go away, I can help them have what they need to go from one place to the next to hopefully thriving and not just surviving it through, you know, finding the grant, their grounding and and grief and living uh choosing to redesign their lives and living in abundance and which is mindset and then care and then being equipped and all of those things that we've talked about are included in that little system that i've created based off of my own life experiences so that's what i would say well in guiding people um uh, through grief i'm sure that they feel empathy sometimes for you when you share your story of loss of your beloved husband and the sudden loss of everything, every joy that you had anticipated your whole life. So um, we we have that um, empathy that they can show, and then it's it's a lesson in finding someone who has really survived and gone to thriving. And you you really suggest a, an integral part of your work there. Another G in the GPS is grace to do all of this be empathetic and do it with great humanity and with great grace. And Debbie, since um, you're the master transformer. 
Let's hear from you. Thank you. Uh, I like that you said that. Thank you. I'm not quite sure that anybody's called me that before, but I appreciate that. Um, I think that understanding empathy and kindness and connection is critical when people are struggling in health conditions. And right now, over 50% of Americans live with at least chronic one chronic illness and one in three worldwide. So they need to hop on to an expressway to find answers somewhere. So why not empathy expressway so that we can connect and have connections with and show kindness because when we're facing health challenges, receiving empathy and support from others can alleviate feelings. It can, you know, help bring about and remove isolation feelings. There's so many things that happen when you're sick and you become lonely. And what people want is that connection and they want to feel heard and understood. And that's one of the things that I just have experienced so much with my work uh, working within cannabinoid therapies and cannabis and teaching people how to take care of their health. When someone, when you give them direction and help them figure out what works for their health, when you get that email or that phone call from someone saying, oh, you understood, you knew what I was talking about, that is what's missing in our system today with our doctors and with our healthcare providers is they don't take the time to listen to the patient and what's going on and what needs to be addressed. And, you know, recently I went to the doctor and talked about that my fingernails are starting to misshape and curve and do things they're not supposed to do. And she was like, oh, it's because you're older and your nails get brittle. And, you know, she started giving me all these reasons. And I kept thinking, I know that's not true because I know too many people that get older and their nails don't do this. So there has to be some underlying thing. And there is something underlying that we're trying to figure out now. So, you know, just not having that respect or that empathy from my doctor and understanding what I was asking and, you know, out of concern. So finding and meeting with people and being able to share with them how I've transformed my life and that how they could have that same opportunity if they learn how to be their own health quality advocate and that they learn how to cultivate their health and be a partner with their health themselves. That is when I find that the Empathy Expressway is working and we should all jump on board and let's find solutions for health, let's find solutions for life. Let's bring uh, hope and opportunity for everyone. Well, Debbie, our, our trip today, our journey is, is nearing an end. And at the, at the core of all of our discussion, you know, we we're talking about getting to a destination of the best life possible. And that's going to involve change all the time. Even as, um, Michaela, you said it's a new season, having two children in double digits, so 10 and 13 almost. <laughs> so a new season, it's change. That seasons change. We change. Um, and change is scary when we don't have a roadmap for a healthier way of living. And I, I so firmly believe that we each play a role in the healing of our collective culture. So with all the uncertainty on the outside, and, and we've had enough gasoline in this uh, tank here to really fuel us in this discussion. We have to have the faith in our certainty on the inside. 
And having been a high school English teacher for so many years, and I loved teaching the novel To Kill a Mockingbird to all my freshmen for so many years. And Atticus Finch, the lawyer, has a memorable quote when he takes his daughter Scout aside and says, you know, Scout, there's one trick to getting along with all people of all kinds. And he says, you have to stop and put yourself in that person's skin. You have to walk around a little bit in that person's shoes. And that is so similar to um, mottos and beliefs of, of so many civilizations, like walk a mile in my moccasins. So until we do that, until we truly practice empathy and deliberately practice joy and empathy, we will not be where we need to be. And I, I personally believe that empathy is our key to survival. So in echoing each other today, in echoing what our expressway has brought us to, we want to encourage all of you to tune in for our next episode of Echo This. And you can reach us at the email echo to the number two gather echo to g-e-t-h-e-r at gmail.com and you can find us on social media at echo together so we're going to be seeing you next week for episode four and that is called leveraging technology how can we leverage technology to create empowering conversations of hope and opportunity Thank you so much for being with us. We wish you well. Go out and smile, be empathetic, and go change the world and make it a better place. Thank you. Echo, echo. Echo, echo, echo. Echo, echo. Echo, echo, echo. Echo, echo. Listen in for empowering conversations of hope and opportunity.